is well, it is well with my soul. Only a heart of faith can make that audacious statement of God. When everything else around us seems to be falling apart, when justice and mercy is absent, when people are suffering and fears and uncertainty loom high, oh God, the ability to say it is well with my soul comes from our innate knowledge of Emmanuel. God is with us. His promises are true. His love endures forever. And that in him we are secure. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for those whom you have handpicked to be here this morning. You brought them. You woke them up this morning. You encouraged them. But we come here with our brokenness. We come here with concerns, things that distract us, lay heavy on our hearts. Perhaps even some resentment and bitterness and hurt and pain. But we come as we are. And we come into your presence for your word to do its work in our life. So let your messenger, let your servant skillfully remove himself from the equation. So that you find your people right before you listening to your voice and responding to you in faith. Release an anointing on this place. Speak to everyone in the way they best hear it. Hug them if they are feeling alone or awed or awkward or afraid. Establish your promises if they are uncertain about the future and give them your peace. There's anyone here this morning who is ill, who is struggling with a sickness or has not been able to come to church because they are sick. In the name of Jesus, I ask healing on their heart, on their body, on their mind, that in the name of Jesus they would be well. Speak to us, Lord, we're listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A very warm welcome to anyone here for the first time. You are an honored guest, and thank you for those of you who are regular and committed to coming. A couple of very important things. Camp is coming up. Camp does not mean tents. Camp is a fairly nice setup, but it's rustic nonetheless. It's up in the hills in Missouri, and uh, I want you to make your own plans to get there, but if you're under the age of 18 or 20, then we've got a bus that'll leave from here and get you up to the campsite, and that's an extra cost, but you can get there on your own. Uh, camp's going to be for a week. If you can come for three days, then please do that. It's going to be a tremendous time of just having fun, of being uh, spiritually revived and renewed, and just working through some of the things that you've been wanting to take time to think about. So just, just come with us. All right? You ready for God's word? Yeah? If you're feeling awkward or the people next to you are strange, just turn to them and say, you're strange. And then break the ice with that. Good. And if you're new this morning, please uh, leave your name and number on that card. Let us know, um, you know, how you felt about the service, what you think about my black shirt. And uh, I just want to know how your first experience was so that we can be in touch with you. Asher, it's always good to have you here, so. When people tell you 
that you are, you are your own worst enemy. Have, has anyone said that to you? When people tell you, you are your own worst enemy, you're the hurdle between you and success. The extra mile is between your ears. I said that, in, I saw that in the gym. <laughs> when people tell you that, the question you want to ask yourself is, yes, I get that, I know that, sounds very poetic, but how do I actually do that? You say, I'm the one that's keeping me from my greatest potential. Sounds really good, but how do I actually overcome me? This is a series entitled Overcoming Me with a look into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which talks about love. And I want to unpack that week after week for the next few weeks and look at how we could actually overcome me by becoming a loving person. Our laziness, it robs us of so much opportunity. Our inhibitions, you feel, oh, I wish I didn't give in at that moment. I wish I wasn't sure shy at that moment. Our temper, oh my gosh, why did I have to say that? I wish I hadn't said that. Our expectations, our insecurities, our pride, our personal ambitions, the self, the ego, the me, the ego. They've robbed me of being what God wants me to be and that is a loving person. But what does that even mean? Before we go on, let's read that entire, entire chapter. It's not very long. Uh, in your mind, read it with me. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels... But I have not love. I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understood mysteries, knowledge, all knowledge, all mysteries, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on having its own way. It is not irritable. It is not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. Prophecies, they will pass away. Tongues, they will cease. Knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will, be pass, will, will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now in part, then we shall know fully, even as we are known. Faith, hope, and love, these abide. But the greatest of these is love. Why can't we be loving? Can you put me a little bit more on the monitor so I, so I don't start screaming? Why can't we be loving? Last time we covered what Paul states categorically, that love makes the difference. He says you can have spiritual gifts and you could be all, you know, magical and, and powerful in your spiritual life. But if you're not loving, no, it doesn't say that. It says if you don't have love. It doesn't say if you're not loving. It says if you don't have love. Hmm. So if you're spiritual but you don't have love, it's useless. But love makes it useful. You could be intellectual, you could be eloquent, you could be persuasive, but love makes that useful. You could be philanthropic, you could be generous, you could be sacrificial, but love makes that useful. So this forces us to consider the truth. What we have or do isn't love. 
It is what happens in the people we deal with that makes us useful. So when I am loving to you and this changes your life, that makes me useful. If I have prophecy and it helps you, that makes the prophecy useful. If I give generously and that helps you, that makes... Are you getting this? Are you getting this? There's a greater component. It's an outside me. It's a have love, not be loving. He doesn't say to be loving. He says if you have love. If you have love. Paul says if you have love. Then he says at the end, he says love abides these three faith hope and love abide these three and the greatest of these is love now if you're thinking with me i know it's early in the morning but if you're thinking with me it seems to be something outside of us something that is attained something that is added to me it is triggered by something within us for sure but it is something that is outside of us it's not a part of us if you have love then you are useful. If you don't have love, you are not that useful. You are nothing, you gain nothing, you are nothing. So we aren't love, for sure. And without love, we say nothing, we are nothing, and we gain nothing. Are you working with me? Are you working with me? But God is love. God is it doesn't say god is loving it says god is love why can't we be loving because it's a god thing because loving is a god thing god is love so listen think to have love god is love to have love is to have god to give love is to give god not give jeremy give God. So you get Jerem not you don't get Jeremy from me, you get God. I'm Jeremy, by the way. <laughs> to show love is to show God. Not show me, but show God. Not me, but God. Not me, but God. Are you getting this? Love is a not me, but God. So you can't be more loving. Think with me. It's not a measure. It's not in degree. You can't be a little bit, I was more loving than last year. Either you're loving or you're not loving. Either you're loving or you're not loving. Jeremy, pick up the Bible. I picked it up. Either I picked it up or I didn't pick it up. I didn't pick it up a little. Are you getting where I'm going with this? So love is a person, that person's role and presence in my life, that then tells my actions and my reasoning and my thoughts. And the completion of me is that person in me. Do you get it? The completion of me is that person in me. Maturity is Christ in me. Not a better me. So take all the self-help books and sell it. Because you don't want a better you. You want a complete Christ. Are you with me in terms of the reasoning? Everybody with me? Yes, no, hallelujah. Okay, very good. It's a good. So, if God is love, then God is the one we need to have. To give love is to give God. To show love is to show God. To have love is to have God. And the goal of love is maturity. Let me take you to another passage of scripture. I'm going to be around and today is a little heady. little heady. So if you get a headache, that's okay. You already had one. 
Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16. Big passage, so I'm going to cruise through it. Okay. Over here, Paul is talking to the Ephesian church and he says, I, God has given the church certain gifts. And these gifts are people, not abilities. These gifts are people, not abilities. These abilities, these gifts are people and these people are apostles, prophets, evangelists and shepherds and teachers. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers. You got that? Can you see it? Yes? Okay. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ. Until all are attained or they all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manner. To measure of the, the fullness. Are you getting the picture? Are you getting the picture? Okay, there's a sense of growing up. There's a sense of adding. There's a sense of completing. There's a sense of becoming, becoming full, becoming mature. Why? 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 So that, say it. So that. Nice and loud with conviction. So that we may no longer be children. God has given to us prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors. For what? To tickle our ears? To tell us how we can be better selves? No. So that we may no longer be children. So that we may grow up. This is what God's about. God's not about you becoming a better person. God's about you becoming completely like Jesus. About maturity. And love is what gets you there. Look at those words. Building up. Mature manhood. Full of Christ. Grow up. Equipped. Build itself up in love. Those are the kind of thoughts. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As for prophecies, verse 8, drop all the way down to verse 8. All of you thought I was going to go into that poet, poetry, right? Love is patient, love is kind. Pastor Jerry, when are you going to start on that? Love is patient, love is kind, love is tender-hearted, forgiving one another. That's, you, know why, you know why we want that one? Where we're so, we're so gravit, you know, we gravitate towards that one, we're so attached to it. Because in our heads, love is poetry. We have associated love with, with romance, with poetry, with the thoughts of, uh, you know, ideal relationships. <laughs> I'm going to get to the meat. Go straight to verse 8. The passage that nobody talks about. Let's go there. Verse 8. As for prophecies... They will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So you think you're smart? Forget it. It's passing away. You think you're eloquent? Forget it. It's passing away. You think you know everything? Well, that's passing away too. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Get that. Get that. Don't miss that. We know whatever we know, and that's just a part. When the whole comes, the part is going to be done away with. There's going to come a time when nothing of, none of it will matter. When the perfect comes, the partial way. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, thought as a child, reason as a child, when I became a man, I underlined, gave up childish ways. Okay? So what do we have here? We've got prophecies, they are temporary, that's revelation. We've got languages, they are temporary, that's rhetoric. There's knowledge, that's temporary, that's reason. So you've got revelation, rhetoric, and reason that are all imperfect. It's not complete. And what you have is in part. He really drives this home. He goes on and on about it. You think that's all? that? No, he goes on to even uh, elaborate on that. He says, when I was a child, when I was little, 
I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I saw life in childish perspective. I expected life to deal with me as I am a child. Mommy and daddy look after me. Why isn't the world looking after me? The home is always safe. Why isn't the world safe? Mommy and daddy give me anything I want. Why doesn't the world give me anything I want? I thought like a child. I acted like a child and I reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I realized it's not about me. It's not about me. Life is not about me. Love is about realizing not me but God. For God is love. I spoke like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. Think, feel, act and that's why. But when I grew up, Paul says, when I grew up, what did I do? I gave up childish things. I put away childish things. So there's me, incomplete child. Christ, complete man. So when you grow up, you don't grow up from Jeremy little to Jeremy big. You grow up from Jeremy to Christ. Do you get that? Do you get that? If you get it, that's it. That's what this is about. That's what 1 Corinthians is about. It's not about all the loving, feeling and forgiving. It's not about that. It's about the understanding. That's why I went from verse 4 straight to verse 8 where I want you to get the framework. Because otherwise... 1 Corinthians 13 will just be a poem on the wall. Which it is for most of us. Love is patient. Why do we start there? Why do we start with love is patient? Why don't we start in the beginning? Why don't we start with the chapter where the chapter begins? Because the point of the matter is that me, incomplete, me, short term, me, immature, Christ mature and the goal of life is to become like Jesus. A true follower of Christ, a true child of God, someone who's been saved, someone who has the spirit of God, knows this deep in his heart that everything that is happening in my life is trying to make me like Christ. A child will look at a, at, at a, at a difficult situation and say, boo-hoo, why is this happening to me? How are people treating me like this? Why is this? And they'll turn around and run back to mommy. Run back to daddy. Run back home. When an adult is going to think, no, no, it's not about me. I'm part of a world. I'm part of a system. I'm part of something bigger that's going on. I'm going to stick around and I'm going to forget about myself. I'm going to be part of what is going on over here. Incomplete me, complete Christ. The goal is maturity. The theme of 1 Corinthians is maturity the understanding of maturity is not me but christ when i was a child i spoke like a child thought like a child reasoned like a child but when i became a man when i grew up i put away childish things brothers and sisters and everyone else here discipleship is the process of putting my childish ways away discipleship is the process of putting my childish ways away paul calls that growing up Discipleship, hence, is growing up. It is overcoming me. Every day, I overcome me. Every way, I overcome me. In all I say, I overcome me. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. For now, we see dimly in a mirror. So he's saying, there's me. It's incomplete. I'm looking at Christ. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at myself in a mirror. But when I am mature, I will look at 
Christ. Children look at themselves in the mirror. Adults, mature people, look at Christ in the mirror. Children want to be a better reflection of themselves. Mature people want to be a better reflection of Jesus Christ. When I grow up, I put away childish things. We see dimly in the mirror, but then we will see Christ face to face. For now, in part, but then fully. Why would Paul go over and over and over this if he did not want us to understand that love is not being patient and being kind and being loving and being forgiving. Love is about growing up. So you have figured this out. You've already understood what I'm saying. Now answer the question in your head. Fill in the blanks. An unloving person is an... That's right. An unloving act is an... Immature act. An unloving sentence is an immature sentence. An unloving relationship is an immature relationship. Love is about becoming mature. Love is about becoming complete in Christ. Listen carefully. It is not an addition of character. I want to be more loving. I need to become more loving. That's why it's not happening. Because we don't get it, we don't get it, we don't get it. It is not an addition of character. It is not a polishing of the heart. It is a completion of the spirit, the real me. So we're back in the last verse. Faith, hope and love, these things, these three abide. And the greatest of these is love. What if these three were not independent ideas? What if they were sequential ideas? What if they were a process that moved towards the end? So the end product, when I'm useful, when I'm beneficial, when I'm mature, then I am love. The greatest of these is love. What if love was the end result we were looking for rather than just a nicer person? Let's look over them, the three of them. Faith, hope, and love. 1 Peter chapter 1 says... These are some beautiful verses. And we're going to, I'm in the conclusion already, so praise the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Though, verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you... Say it, you... How is that possible? It's so difficult to, see, to love the people we can see. Probably half the reason we can't love them. That's hard enough. The ones who live in my house I can't love properly. Well, leave alone the ones I can't. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe. You've put your faith, you've put your trust in somebody you've never seen. In him and you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining what? The outcome of your education. The outcome of your Love, the outcome of your marriage, the outcome of your exploration of the Himalayas, of your vacation, Facebook, say it, the outcome of your faith. So the first step is you believe, you trust, you begin to move in the direction of the one who makes you complete, the one who is love. Paul says, if you do not have love, you're not useful. 
If you don't have love, you're nothing. If I have love, you gain nothing. Well, what is love? Love is a person. If I have God is love. If I have God, I am useful. I am everything. I am secure. Are you getting the picture? It's not about you. Even with regard to being loving, it's not about you. Chill. Relax. You don't have to change. You just have to grow up into being not older Jeremy, but Christ. Christ. So first step number one, faith. It is becoming the, obtaining the outcome of your faith. Number two, hope. Philippians chapter 1 verse 20. As it is, my eager expectation, Paul says, and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but when with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So you step out in faith and you say, Jesus is the goal of my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Jesus is the completion of my life. Not me, but Christ. And you say, he must increase, I must decrease. And you head out towards maturity. When you do that, you do that with that's faith. You do that with the hope, what Paul says, that Christ will be honored in my body, whether in my death or in my life. Whether in my death or in my life, whether in my life or in my death. When you have taken those two steps to understand that it's not about you, to give yourself to what God has, then you move to step three, then you go into the next phase where God is now in your life and at work and he then completes you. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 says, you are complete in him. You are complete in him. In him. What do you need to be mature? Get into Christ. Get into his mind. Get into his heart. Get into his plan. Get into his leadership. Get into his lordship. And then you find yourself being complete. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 19. This is the, in the NCV, the, the new century version. I like this version. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know. Okay, why? But I pray that you will be able to know that love. You will be able to know that love. Which love? Christ's love. When you will, when you will know that love, circle then. If you have a Bible, so when you go home and you buy a Bible, then circle it. You will be able to know that love. Then you can be filled with the fullness of God. I know, I know in a 35 minute sermon you're not going to, you're not, it's, you're not going to get it. I know, I, this, there's a lot here. But, I want you to go home relaxed with the understanding. I want you to be freed. I want you to be overcome. I want your me to be overcome. I want you to be set free from the thought, from the anxiety, from the idea, from the, from the mindset that you have to become a better person. Is that sinking in? All your life you've been trying to become a better person, right? And then there's this bald guy telling you, you don't need to become a better person. Yeah, you don't. What you need to do is learn the dynamic of stepping into Christ and in Christ you are complete. In Christ you are complete. 
What are you? Three feet tall, four feet tall, five feet tall, six feet tall? Whatever, year, year wide or year wide, whatever. But Christ is all in all. Christ is consistent. And when you step into Christ, you are complete in him. You know like those big robots like Transformer and all that? So when you step into that robot, you're sitting at the controls. But you are at par with all the other bots. So you step into Jesus and I step into Jesus and both of us are at par. We are both loving each other with Jesus' love. We're dealing with life with Jesus' wisdom. We're walking through life with Jesus' perspective. And we're heading for eternity with Jesus' confidence. Are you getting this? So I'm complete in Jesus and you're complete in Jesus and you and I get married and our marriage is complete in Jesus. And we have children and we teach our children to be in Jesus and then our family is complete in Jesus. And that is why we are crazy about Jesus. Because he completes us. He's not, an, he's not something that we emulate. We're not trying to be like Jesus. We're trying to be in Jesus. May the Lord help you to get this. You've been trying so hard to be like Jesus. And now a little bit you're trying to be like me. A little bit you're trying to be like Jesus. Not me, me, you, you. So I want to be like Jerry one day. I want to be like Jesus one day. And between the two, I'm very frustrated. I feel judged. I feel condemned. I judge others. But when you come into Christ, what does this mean? What does this mean? Can you understand it on one Sunday morning message? No, you can't. The process is called discipleship. Where you walk with somebody else who's two feet along the road and say, teach me how to be in Christ. Teach me how to be in Christ. Christ's love is greater than anyone can ever know. But I pray that you will be able, that you will be able to know that love. Okay? He didn't say to have that love. He didn't say to be loving. He says to know that love. So he says, God is love, that you should be able to know that love. Then you can be filled with the fullness of God. That's how you become mature. That's how you become mature. So Jeremy Dawson doesn't get stretched. He steps into Jesus and boom, he's full. Back to the fundamentals. Paul doesn't talk about being loving. Nowhere in this chapter does he talk about being loving. He talks about having love. And the Bible teaches that love is a person. God is love. So knowing love is showing, knowing God. Showing love is showing God. Acting loving is acting out God's character. So he talks about having love. And the focus is more Christ, less me. That's maturity. Maturity is love. Everything else is a play out of love. That's why I've taken so long to get to the poem part of the, uh, of the chapter where love is patient, love is kind, love. We'll handle it. We'll get to that. We'll get, in, get into the psychology of what makes me not want to do that. What stops me? What binds me from becoming? I'll, we'll get into that in the next few weeks. But get the, the fundamentals. The fundamental is not you trying. It's you getting into and relaxing in Christ and say, Jesus, take over. Just, just you take over. And that process of free falling into the hands of God, allowing him to take over, that's called discipleship. So here's a practical method. This is how it's done. Last verse of the chapter. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when every part is working properly 
makes the body grow. Why? So that it builds itself up in love. And love is God. Let's do that again. From whom the whole body, from whom, not what? From God. From whom the whole body joined together. Every part is connected to one another. And every part is serving one another. As the whole body works together being equipped and fed and nourished. And it makes the body to grow up. So that you are growing up. So that you build it, you're built up in love. What is love? God. You're complete in Christ. Oh. Oh okay. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. So this is not just me becoming like Christ all alone. This is me as a part of a body that's becoming Christ together. Are you getting that? No, you didn't get it. I'm a member of a body that's becoming complete and mature in Christ. So I want to tell you a secret. Okay, Nobody knows this. It's just between you and me. Do you know that my hand... It doesn't grow on its own. From birth, I've noticed this. I've just been watching I just closely. It doesn't grow on its own. It's been part of my body and been following me around for a very long time. And as my body has grown, my arm has grown. It is in fact, here's where the rubber meets the road. It is in fact grown in proportion to the rest of my body. Are you getting this? So your maturity, your discipleship is not an independent little journey, your own little escapade, your own little ex, you know, exploration of the searching to find God and feel and meet the peace and then burp. It's not your little thing. It's not your own private thing. You are part of a body and that body is growing as it develops and feeds each other. And the two things that needed, are needed for that to happen, for that body to grow, is this and I'll let you go. Number one, joints that equip you. Joints that equip you. Look around, and look, look around the church, look around the body and say, who are the joints in this church? Who are the ones who are supposed to equip me? There are two types of people who are supposed to equip you. There are those who will teach you the word of God. Disciples, small group leaders, spiritual fathers. Those who will teach me the word of God. And number two, there are those who will help me to serve better. Those who are my ministry leaders. Those who are coaches. Those who are con uh, coordinators. Those who are purpose champions. These are people that God have put in the church to help you connect. And as you grow, the church grows. The church is the body. And as the church grows, you grow. And as you become more Christ-like, the church becomes Christ-like. And as the church becomes more Christ-like, you become more Christ-like. You, on your own, not happening. Not happening. That's why I keep saying, come to church. Come to small group. Don't miss Bible reading. Don't miss fellowship. Don't miss out on this and that. That's why we say it. It is not the evidence of maturity it is the means of maturity. Joints that help you and equip you. Disciples, small group leaders, spiritual fathers, serving together, ministry leaders, coaches, coordinators, and champions. Say this with me. It takes all of us to make Christ all in all. This time like mature people. Three, two, one. It takes all of us 
to make Christ all in all. My brothers and sisters, it's very easy to raise your hand and say, Christ is all in all. All is my devotion and there's nothing else. It's very easy to sing that song half-hearted. But the real deal is on Monday morning, Wednesday night, Friday afternoon, Saturday night, and more on Sunday morning before church. That's where the rubber meets the road. And here's the bottom line. You need me and I need you to make Christ all in all in my life. Tell yourself in your head, you can't do it alone. You cannot do it alone. You need people to help you make Christ all in all in your life. Today was very heady. There was a lot of thinking. I can, I can tell that I added another headache to your previous headache. But I don't want to be poetic and inspirational alone. I don't, I, at times there needs to be instruction. You get those three? There's inspiration, there's instruction, and there's information. Some things we just need to know, some things we need to know how to do, and there's some things we just need to be motivated about. I can't always inspire, I must also instruct. And the instruction here this today is that maturity is what love is. Love is maturity. It's more Christ, less me.